Writing wasn't something I thought I had in me. Those are words that Reverend Dr. Renee Mentor recently shared with me during our chat. So folks, grab that cup of coffee, sit back, and listen in so you can find out just where her writing journey has taken her. Hello, hello, everybody. This is Kim Langling, your host of Let Fear Bounce. Welcome to another episode. And I've been looking forward to this, folks. I have Reverend Dr. Renee Minter with me. She is my special guest today. She is a Christian-based psychotherapist in private practice in New York, and she's highly respected and sought after in both the faith-based and the secular communities. She's a mental health advocate who promotes all minds matter by providing mental health services without regard to income. She is also the host of the Miracle in You with Dr. Renee television show, which airs on Sundays on the Believe in Your Dreams television network. And she is also the owner of the Joyful Heart television channel. And if that's not enough, folks, she is also a co-author in 10 different anthologies. Dr. Renee, thank you for being with me on Let Fear Bounce. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And it is an honor to sit before you. Now you've got a lot going on and it's, it's kind of fun when you read someone's bio, you know, you and I have known each other for probably about a year or so now through different things that we've been involved with. And when you read someone's bio, it just gives that clarity, that clearer picture of, of who the person is, because you might not know all of that. So you are a very busy person, and I want to start out with you are a Christian-based psychotherapist. So when did that journey start for you? Well, um, I, I think I have been able to marry two different um, but very similar uh, lifestyles and um, passions together at the same time. I um, originally always, always had the desire to help people, always knew that that was my calling and was always involved in the church. But I didn't know until high school that there was a thing called a social worker. So I uh, went off to college, became a social worker, but my faith remained very strong uh, in, in everything that I did. So Finding that helping people and doing ministry, which means the care, uh, to, to provide care for someone, just became very natural for me. So I found a way that I could get certified as a social worker to actually go out and help people, but also be able to help the Christian community at the same time. So with a bachelor's degree in social work, I knew that I needed to go on further. And that's what actually led to getting the master's degree in social work, which allowed me to sit before the state boards to become certified as a psychotherapist. But God said that wasn't the end of it. So there was another piece of it. And there had always been that that little voice in my ear that said, you got to go to seminary. You have to go to seminary. So off to seminary, we went and at 57 years old, earned my doctorate in ministry. And I felt that that was the cap. That was the, the complete marriage. So I am a, I'm a minister. I provide Christian-based counseling, which means that um, my perspective, um, a lot of what I do is uh, biblically um, influenced, but 
you don't have to be a Christian to come and see me. So certainly, you know, we're open, we're non-judgmental, and I think that's what we're called to be. So we are non-judgmental in the practice that um, and opening our services to to folks. Um, yet I still maintain um, a Christian stance. Well, Dr. Renee, I just love how your journey unfolded and where it's brought you to today. And of course, I'm sure you've got all kinds of other things coming up in the future. But I do have a question because maybe a lot of our listeners don't know exactly what a psychotherapist is. Could you give us a brief description of of what a psychotherapist is and does? A lot of people are using psychotherapists today. Some people call them life coaches, but they're actually people that help you find the way from what is inside of you. We don't, um, you know, yes, we do deal with um, people who have psychiatric disorders, but I think the bulk of my practice really is leading the way for normal folks like you and I, who just might need someone, a second person to kind of sharpen the lens for them, to help them see the path or find the greatness within themselves that they need to just peel away those layers to find. So we're not, we're not recreating anyone. We are actually helping people work through their issues as uh, non-intrusively and without medication. We are not psychiatrists. Uh, psychiatrists provide medication. We're the piece that couples with it. So we give you the opportunity to talk and to clear out some of those skeletons that you might have in your closet. So it's a it's a very gentle approach to treatment. I like how you mentioned that. Clear out the closet gently. Mm-hmm. I like that. Hey, there's a tagline for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you are also a co-author in 10 anthologies. Now, being an author myself, I think I'm a co-author in eight anthologies. So I'm kind of in that same boat with you. How did you get started as being a co-author and why do you continue to be a co-author in so many different types of books? Well, I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to update that a little bit. We just completed our 12th and we're working on the 13th right now. Someone who I was a professor for many, many, many years. So all of my writing and most of my reading really had to do with academia. And, you know, when you're in that world, you don't have time. You're, you know, you're reading to update, you know, things so that you can, you know, you, you know, give that to your students, but you're also reading their information. You also want to stay um, current. So I was a professor at the same time that I was a psychotherapist. So we're climbing and trying to learn at the same time. So Writing was something that I didn't think that I even had in me. But for many years, being a social worker, I realized that I had traveled a journey that many people didn't know about. And not only are we working in in helping people, but in that process, there's something that happens to us and we grow in the process as well. So it was actually never even thinking that I had the ability to write because it was always something that was uh, work-related. It was something that was required of me. I don't know, it was, um, I think uh, 2016, 2017, somewhere along there, I just happened to be on Facebook and 
there was a, um, a something about, would you like to tell your story? And it wanted to be something different. They wanted somebody to tell something that was different. So I thought that my story was the story of me helping people. And um, I, I signed on to at least be interviewed. And uh, the interviewer said to me, well, we're really looking for something different. Have you had something different that you know most people haven't had? And I thought about it and I said, well, yeah, I have. I said, you're talking to a person who's been paralyzed twice. I lost the ability to speak at the age of 20 and I lost the ability to walk. I was paralyzed uh, below the waist in 2010. And I had been, I had a facial paralysis in when I was 20. And I said, in both of those situations, there was some type of miraculous thing that happened. And I can't really explain a miracle because I think by definition, a miracle is something you had a situation and then you have a different situation, but you can't explain what changed it. So I said, I had that. And I think because I am a Christian, I want to believe that this was faith-based. I would love to tell of that story. And they jumped on it and they said, yes. So in 2017, my, my first anthology. And when I look at it now, it is so, the writing is so primitive, you know? <laughs> and I, I'm like, really? Um, you had a doctorate <laughs> degree and, and that's what you wrote. But I hadn't developed an author's style. I had not. And um, so I did some work with the phenomenal Cheryl Woods. So I came in with my first anthology with someone who is, you know, just globally known as, as an influencer for women and a motivator. And signing on to that project was the best thing that I could have ever done. So that was the first one. And then we sat down for a little bit. And three years later, I did the next one. But here's the interesting, um, the interesting thing about the last couple of anthologies, the last eight, the last eight anthologies. Being a social worker, um, continued working as a social worker, and I was working in the inner city. Um, I'm in New York, but I was working, I'm in the suburbs of New York, but I was working in Harlem, New York, in a drug treatment program. And um, it was February 13th, and we had just put out my third anthology that had just come out January 21st. So I'm basking in the glory of, of all of that. And it was already an international bestseller. And, you know, I was feeling really good about that. Kind of, I guess I was resting on my lawyer, uh, laurels and just skated, skid and fell directly into calamity. So on February 13th, I actually had a fall onto, um, it was gonna snow the day before Valentine's Day in New York. I slid on some ice melt, slip, slid, fell and was injured. So I have had an injury and I've been home like on workers' comp since February 13th 
uh, a year ago, but in the first eight months, and here we go when we talk about miracles and, and how things happen and we don't understand it, in eight months, eight international bestsellers came out. And when I tell you, for someone who didn't even know that she was a writer three years before that, I had no use of my left arm. And with one hand, one hand, not even knowing, not techno savvy, so not even realizing I could dictate the books <laughs> on, my, on my phone. I'm sitting there with one hand and eight international bestsellers came out of my brokenness. So in eight months, eight international bestsellers. And then I realized, you know, that is another, that's another miracle. And there must be something in this and that there must be a reason why I'm sitting out for this season and not working, but maybe it was because I needed to be doing a different type of work. We are very grateful that, you know, you know, for the, even for the calamities, we're grateful for that because out of that brokenness, God created something miraculous. And so now speaking engagements, you know, all over the place and I'm sitting here and had I not penned that first book in faith, I wouldn't be here right now, you know, to tell this story. So uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I think with each story with each um, anthology it's always faith-based because that's who I am and that's what I that's what I know and it's always transparency that's that's you know employed in the process so I grow and I tell and I grow and I tell and I'm, I'm gonna say this I, I'm, I'm kind of maybe jumping ahead of the game because it hasn't been it hasn't come out yet but yesterday I submitted my, the one, the one that's really um, shaken me the most. The one that is the grittiest, the one that um, has troubled my spirit the most because it's not so much, uh, it, it, it is about me, but it's also about the me that could have been had not the grace of God come in. So um, just as a, a, as a quick snippet, we're talking about the inequities of the healthcare system for people of black, black and brown color. And I'm taking it, I'm so excited about this, but it's so gritty that my readers are gonna be a little bit surprised when they, when they read this, but we're talking about my personal almost challenge with substances, you know, from being injured and being prescribed a narcotic and recognizing, and thankfully my years working as a social worker had me recognize the signs of addiction and recognizing, uh-oh, you've taken two of those pills and you're liking this feeling. And this is something that you don't want to continue. I also took it from another perspective and I went to one street in Harlem, a very famous street, and a lot of people know this street, 125th Street in Harlem. And it's the place of the Apollo Theater. It's the place of Billie Holiday. It's the um, place of Duke Ellington. And it's the place of 
Bill Clinton's office. It is the place of the dance theater of Harlem. And my, my drug treatment center was on the next block. But you can walk down 125th Street and you can see and feel and smell the culture and the history and Sylvia's waffles and fried chicken. It's all there. But as you're walking along the landscape, there are addicts dead on the ground with needles still in their arms. And what has happened when the Black Lives Matter sign was painted on 125th Street and how blue lives disappeared and how lawlessness came to that one street and how many of the people there who are people of color are not able to get treatment for substance abuse. So this is gritty, it is raw, and it's a story that needs to be told, but it's also um, taking my writing from a, a micro perspective to a macro perspective and putting the looking glass you know, out there. So I am so excited about that. And I'm shaking at the same time because yes, ministry is helping people, but I also talk about being on the front line in that battle and trying to help these addicts because their butt for the grace of God it could have been me. And I thought it was very important that we talk about, you know, my own struggle because many people that are addicted to substances, people don't wake up and say, oh, I'm gonna be an addict. You know, they wake up with pain and they wake up with, I need to take a, a medication. And before you know it, the medication has overtaken your life. And then you're out there on 125th and you're somebody's mother, you're somebody's child, you're somebody's something and somebody has to care about it. And that's what God put on my heart. But this is, you know, this is very gritty. It's very dark. But I think that as an author, um, we grow, we shift, we move. And, you know, we can't limit ourselves. So if that's what God had me write about, <laughs> it's, with, it's with the publishers right now. Well, you know, and God sometimes says you got to put it in their faces. Exactly. There's, there's no gentleness on this one. No. You got to put it in your their faces. And and I'm so glad that you followed that nudge because, I mean, I, I have known numerous people in my lifetime who became addicted to prescription drugs. Numerous people. Yep. And it was mm -hmm. a big struggle for mm -hmm. them to not only sometimes it went so far where they didn't realize it was an issue that was just their life but they needed mm -hmm. more and more mm -hmm. and then those that were like i think like you had said the words you used i'm liking this too much yeah and it yeah. and it frightened them but they had already become slightly addicted so they actually struggled to wean away from it and get off of it and it, it that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough subject. And I'm glad, I'm glad that you, you mm -hmm. followed that nudge that God gave you and you're just going to put it in people's faces because too many people walk around with their eyes closed and in their own little bubbles and don't see what you saw physically with your yeah. own eyes on 125th. 
exactly you know and a lot a lot of folks live in they don't live in big cities so they're not going to see it that raw and that real but it's happening in small rural towns too <laughs> exactly so the you know the opioid um crisis really is it's a global you know crisis but you know the other piece that i think that we need to look at and that was my part that this whole pain management thing is a well-oiled machine. And, you know, you walk in and, you know, for me, I, I think, and I wrote about it, that to have a mug shot, a medical mug shot, you know, that, you know, uh, turn left, turn right. And I had seen that, I don't smile. I had seen that many times on television. And suddenly I, I realized I was slipping into that world and I had not even seen the doctor yet. And as I'm seeing, I, as I walk into the doctor's office, he's already doing the e-script for the oxycodone and he had not even examined me. And, and I was watching the people as I came into the doctor's office had that nod. And it was the nod that I had seen with the clients that I had as a social worker and I was this is a medical nod to an opiate but I hadn't realized that and I said it looks exactly the same as what I'm seeing on 125th street and then I realized how quickly you want to get out of pain but what the doctors don't do you've now you know I took two medic I took two pills in less than six hours and I was supposed to take one every six hours because I like the feeling. And that was the last pill that I took. But had I continued to do that, my prescription would have run out in probably about five days. And that's when people turn to street pharmacology. And that's how people get addicted to things like heroin. And a lot of people don't realize that oxycodone is actually a synthetic heroin. You're actually getting that same, um, the same euphoric feeling and like everything is okay. And yeah, I see why Lucy was in the sky with diamonds. I get it now, you know? <laughs> and I, I, I'm thankful that I was able to see that and I was able to say, no, I'm gonna deal with this pain and we're gonna find another way. And I think that sometimes we have to walk in certain shoes and we have to document that. And I believe that all of that and being on 125th Street, all of that was probably for this book. I have to agree with that. God put you right where you were supposed to be to see what you, what he needed you to see. Mm -hmm. And and it was also that reminder, you know, like you said earlier, there but for the grace of God go I. You know, mm -hmm. what an amazing, yeah, and we're running out of time here. I, <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, we went a different direction, but I'm so glad that we did. I am so glad that you shared that part and, and you know, the part of the anthology that you're going to be in this part of your story that you're going to be sharing because it is, it is raw and gritty and real and in your face. And I said earlier, you know, there are times we need that and you're following that nudge to do it. And even if it's outside your comfort zone, God also asks us to step outside of that comfort zone yeah, exactly. as well. Now, I've done it many times myself, and I'm sure you have more than once. But this one, this is this is pretty cool. I am I'm a bless you for doing that. I'm I'm very excited to see 
the full product of that when it when it comes out and when it's released and published out into the world because I can imagine that your story is going to hit a lot of people right where it's supposed to be hitting, you know, mm -hmm. bringing awareness and opening maybe some people's eyes. So awesome stuff, awesome stuff. Gosh, there's so much stuff I want to ask you. We are running out of time. So can you briefly tell folks where they can find you, um, <laughs> if you've got a website and how they can get how they can check out your uh, television show, if you've got a podcast, any of that good stuff, please share it. Okay, so I am Reverend Dr. Renee Minter, and you can basically find me on all social social media platforms, uh, either Dr. Renee Minter or Reverend Dr. Renee Minter. I'm on every um, platform, so you can find me there. We are we do have a YouTube um, channel, which we are developing at this point. But most importantly, globally, you can see me on The Miracle in You with Dr. Renee on the Believe in Your Dreams Network Sunday at noon. And we span the globe interviewing people who have had extraordinary experiences, miraculous experiences, but the second part of it is, what have you done to help humanity with that? So when I lost the ability to spoke, I became an advocate for those who couldn't speak. When I lost the ability to speak, um, to walk, I globetrotted around the world to tell the story of the gospel and to encourage women. So yeah, two miraculous miracles. And I think even this book that we're talking about right now, and even all of the books, you know, eight books in, in eight months that all became bestsellers. God has been true to me and I have been true to God and we're just thankful. That is awesome. Awesome. I love your story, Dr. Renee. Thank you so much for joining me on Let Fear Bounce. It's been such a pleasure. Well, thank you for inviting me and I'd love to join you again. And all of you out there listening, folks, this is your host, Kim Langling of Let Fear Bounce. Thanks so much for tuning in. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed.